Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. This is Laura Gregg, here with my co-host, David Partain. Hello, David. Hello, Laura. Beautiful day today in Chicago. It sure is. It sure is. No longer 100 degrees, so we're thrilled <laughs> about that. No kidding. So, you know, it is no secret, right, that the advisor population is aging. I mean, we've been hearing this for years. And as I'm out speaking with advisors and we talk about the future, I'm learning, unfortunately, that there are still so many 50-something or older advisors that don't seem to have much of an exit plan, or at least one that they're planning and executing on currently. And while this industry is a great one in so many ways, and one of those ways is that it enables us to work beyond traditional retirement age if we choose to, there are also challenges that need to be considered in every stage of your business, but critically in the later stages. So I am so excited to welcome Linda Willis to the show today. Linda is founder, CEO, president of Career Management Advisors Consulting, better known as the CMA. Uh, Backing Linda is a team of tenured industry professionals that are providing broad business consulting and valuation services with succession and exit and end game planning needs among many other consultative services. Linda, we are thrilled to have you on the Flexible Advisor. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and sharing your insights on this super important topic of succession planning. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Hi, Linda, I'm excited to have you on the show as well. But before we dig into succession planning, I think it'd be helpful to learn more about CMA Consulting. So if you could talk about the people, the backgrounds of the partners, and even the breadth of services that you provide to advisors. Sure. Uh, So I think what sets us apart in the consulting business, specifically in financial services and specifically to RIAs, is the amount of experience that we bring to the table. So personally, I started my career as a lawyer. I did securities litigation, was in-house counsel for a large uh, Wall Street firm. I then, my firm was bought out and I pivoted to the business side mm-hmm. and was both a financial advisor, then in leadership and management roles and senior leadership with a global firm based in New York. And then ultimately started my own RIA, built that up and exited and started this business. And some of my colleagues also have been not only financial advisors and have exited their businesses, grown them and exited, but also people who have exit planning, credentialing, as well as some who've been on the institutional side of the business. So what we bring is a lot of perspective from everything from establishing the firm to growing the firm and then to successfully exiting. I was just going to say, we we focus on the life cycle of a firm. So everything from helping financial advisors who might be with larger firms, 
what we would call a wirehouse to going independent and finding the right solution to helping the RIA grow through either acquisition or lateral hires to then helping do the succession strategy and planning and ultimately the exit. Yeah, this is so needed with today's demographics that are going on just globally. And so to take it on to a almost a bigger scope, at FlexShares, longtime listeners knows we've conducted a good deal of behavioral research, both about investors and of course, advisors. I would imagine that the lack of succession planning preparation is as much of a behavioral issue as it is one of just not making the time to focus on it. And I'm curious what you think underlies firm leaders that are not actively planning, given what's going on for the future of their company? Well, with respect to RIA founders and owners in particular, the lack of um, control, the idea Mm. that the loss of control will be something that will happen upon a transition, whether they choose to stay in the business and work for a while after a succession as part of their succession strategy, or if they stay merely for a transition over, I think it's that no longer being part of the business anymore, losing your identity. A number of folks that I've dealt with in the succession planning process just really love what they do and have a no desire to play golf or stay at home or do something different with themselves. So that fear of what the next step will be, as well as the giving up of control, I think really are the two drivers. So Linda, how do you work through that with the folks that you serve? Well, like any good consulting role, I think it's partly psychology. You know, it's really helping people determine what their goals and objectives are and what the priorities are with respect to any longer term or even near term strategy is. So really helping folks prioritize and determine what's most important to them so that we can make a plan that best fits their individual needs. But the reality is that RIAs are fiduciaries and there is something inherently conflicted about an advisor whose strategy is basically to die in the chair and to allow their clients to die along with them. It doesn't necessarily effectively serve the fiduciary responsibility well. You know, that leads me to remember there was, uh, you know, when I first met you and I was checking out the CMA website, uh, I came across a blog post that I thought and still do think is tremendously powerful in terms of putting this all into perspective. It represents, in my opinion, the strongest proof point for why every advisory business owner, no matter which stage of their business life they're currently in, but why they absolutely need to have a succession plan. And I'm guessing you can do a better job than me of relaying that story, but I'm I'm hoping you can tell us and our listeners about the story of that client and the lack of planning and the effect that it had on a lot of people. Absolutely. Well, this individual, unfortunately, was not an actual client of mine. I got a call for a potential engagement from the advisors who had died unexpectedly during COVID, uh, had been a cancer survivor and thought she was coming out the other side, got COVID and unexpectedly passed away. The husband called us, but 
five months after she had died, and at which point it was a little late in the game. And she did not have a, a buy-sell agreement or an emergency exit plan, much less a longer succession plan in place. And the nature of the structure of her firm, by the time he called to engage our services, most, if not all of the clients had left and all of the advisors had left and the assets, there was no asset, no value left in the business. And consequently, she had been the primary breadwinner in the family. She had built this firm from scratch. And so they went from netting $450,000 or more per year off of this business to it being absolutely worth nothing. And it was unfortunate. It's one of the things that we always start our conversations with every advisor is that you should have at a minimum an emergency exit strategy in the event that you either unexpectedly die or become disabled. So at a minimum, your family, your beneficiaries are protected and everything that you've built doesn't just go out the window. Wow. Um, you know, I think it's right human nature. None of us likes to think, you know, that we will die. Uh, we think we're invincible and that we can continue to kick the proverbial can down the road when we really should just be getting our house in order and keeping it in order. And, you know, maybe you've touched on a bit of this earlier in our conversation, but how exactly do you help those advisory firm leaders earlier, you know, sooner rather than later, get going on this important cornerstone of their business. We talk about this a lot. A lot of what makes an attractive buyer also makes an attractive seller. So ensuring that your house is in order, i.e. your business is run like a business, and that you're focused on key elements to make it an attractive firm, not only for clients, but also ultimately for the next iteration, i.e. a succession plan and an ultimate exit and monetization on behalf of the founder, partner, equity holders. And some of the key elements there are really thinking through what you do as a business. How do you, what's your value proposition as a firm? Who is your optimal client? What are you doing to attract those optimal clients? Do you continue to have organic growth in the firm and are you focused on that? Are you treating the business like a business and redeploying capital into the firm for purposes of enhancing growth, technology platforms, the acquisition of talent and next generation, not only clients, but also next generation um, talent in the firm? Are you ensuring that you have diversity with respect to your, your revenue streams and that you're not overly concentrated? And that the the client base isn't so incredibly reliant on one person that the there can't be continuity of the firm after the founder departs. So, Linda, do you also work with the potential successors? Uh, I've heard I was talking to somebody last week. I can't recall who it was, but they told me a story where uh, there was a successor and. All the plans had been verbally discussed and it was, you know, going to happen in a certain way, but nothing was in writing. And then the owner decided that he just wanted to continue as it was and kind of left this person hanging 
out there with the expectation of something that was really never going to happen. Do you help that next generation of of leader with their drive and, and getting documents in order? Yes. And part of what we provide in our consulting process, and because I am a lawyer and have a legal background, is that entire um, the entire kind of soup to nuts. So everything from helping uh, structure the transaction or or the succession plan and documenting that and then the implementation of it as well. And a number of individuals who are interested in selling and have self-identified either as internal succession plan or an external acquirer will come to us and we will help them through that part of the process. So some for some people, we actually help them identify the people outside of the firm or even internally, you know, helping determine if there's the appropriate fit and the ability through the right structuring to help do an internal succession versus external as well. But um, yes, that is indeed part of our process. Interesting. So I was introduced to you not too long ago from a a friend of both of ours, uh, Susan Danzig, who uh, has just recently been back on the Flexible Advisor. And she talked with us most recently about the power of personal branding. And Linda, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on how branding intersects succession planning and how you coach your clients on building their brand in order to help them, you know, hopefully grow opportunity as they exit their business. So the way that we leverage, for instance, our relationship with Susan Danzig is that she's a great professional development coach and a person who can help firms and individuals in firms really hone what their messaging is, who their client base is, and how they best deliver that value proposition to the market to enhance their own growth. And so having that, that is something I had spoken to earlier in our conversation today, which is making sure that you have a differentiated value proposition, you understand what it is, who your target client is, that ultimately leads to your value proposition with respect to who you're going to be a good candidate to sell to. So, Linda, I'd love to get another question here as we begin to quickly wrap up. And I'm sure there are many things we can discuss, but would appreciate hearing a couple of things that you're actually hearing uh, now from advisors that you think advisors should be really thinking about. I think the most important thing is indeed the pre-planning and really getting to before you even start the process, sitting down and trying to create your own vision of what a a good succession plan looks like for you. And so much of it has to do with what are your, what's your criteria for a positive succession and what's most important to you, what's a non-starter. So if the highest dollar amount is what you're focused on, then make sure that you know you put that down as a top priority but it, and that's going to inform 
the choices available out in the marketplace, as well as whether or not you go forward with an internal succession versus someone who wants continuity of their legacy and the firm that they created and want to be able to pass on that legacy to their internal junior partners or members of the firm. And so having clarity around that will really help the process of narrowing down what the structure is going to look like and who the potential acquirers can be. Yeah. Wow. There is so much here and this conversation could go for a while. And it is one of those conversations I think that is incredibly important for advisors to hear. So on the show, we like to leave our listeners with a couple easy to implement steps that they can take today to help their business and clients. Are there ideas you have for advisors that want to begin putting steps into place for their succession plan Beyond calling you, of course, what can they do today to get the ball in motion? Again, starting with a, a simple, you know, uh, idealizing what your goals and objectives are with respect to, it's so funny. I mean, so many of our RIAs at their essence are um, financial planners, and it's really about a life plan. Mm. Well, this is the same type of steps one should be applying to themselves. It's sort of like the cobbler and their kids have no shoes. So we have to just apply those steps and sit down with a blank sheet of paper and really put down what's important and what isn't, as well as a timeline for yourself with respect to um, when you want to have an exit and would you be willing to um, sell and merge into another firm and go to work for that firm for a period of time, or are you have no interest in that Again, um, sort of really visualizing what's important and what isn't is the very first step, I think, in the process. So we're talking about the exit plan and lots of things around that. What is, would you say, the minimum number of years in advance of wanting to exit or go on to the next phase? Somebody should really be getting going and, and getting things in order. The minimum is two years. Okay. And with two years, do you find that most of your clients are able to get their company sold or find the successor and put it into place? Is that, you know, generally they're having success with that timeline? Is there, is there any reason to plan out later, you know? Oh, I think, yeah, I, I say two years as a minimum because it's going to take about two years to consummate any deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even... Even the search for finding the right partner can take longer depending upon the level of due diligence, unless two people have already found each other and determined that they their businesses are compatible, the client bases work, and this is what they want to do. You know, that papering process and transition can obviously be abbreviated, but unless all of those things are aligned, it's going to take a lot longer than that to get things accomplished. And how long are you seeing the former principal stay on after the deal has closed? Is there a right amount of time? Is it is a year too long or does it just vary by advisory firm? I think it varies by advisory firm. I think the sell and stay obviously is different than sell and exit, but in the sell and exit, I think the shortest amount of time I've seen is a year, but optimally most firms would like two years at a minimum, just to make sure that the retention opportunity is maximized. Gotcha. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Linda, I love that analogy that you did of the cobbler's 
son without any shoes because I married into a eye doctor's family and my sister-in-law beginning when she was like five, six, was complaining, I can't see the board, I can't see the board. Oh, you're fine, you're fine. And so finally they checked her out like years into it. Oh, you need glasses. So oh <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally understand that and appreciate how that went in. But I also appreciate this whole discussion today. You've offered us such great information. And of course, it has been a real delight to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both for having me. I've enjoyed spending some time with you. If you're an advisor and would like to know more about CMA Consulting, you can visit cma.consulting. This is available in the show notes. Thanks for listening to The Flexible Advisor. We created this show for advisors to help them grow their business. If you like this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating, and most importantly, sharing our podcast with other advisors. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.